This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. God, we just love you. We thank you that you are already here. You are already here. We love you, Jesus. We love you. Can we just give it out to the worship team? Bless them. God, bless them. In the name of Jesus. All right. Do you guys have your Bibles? Did you guys bring them today? If you have your phones, that's okay. That's okay. But if you have your Bible, I just want you to wave it. Wave it in the air. We're going to do it like back in the day. Just wave it. Make the enemy mad. Come on. Yeah, stab him a little bit with your sword. Stab him right in the heart. Yeah, if he ever causes you any pain, I want you to be aggressive with it. Like swing it, but don't hit the partner next to you. All right, so I want to give you some scriptures real quick, and I'll tell you where we're going to go. So it's going to, uh, a lot of the scripture that we have is Romans 5. We have Luke 1, and I'll say it again, but Romans 5, Luke 1, 1 John, say first, first. not second, not third, there is a third, 1 John 4, 18, and then number 6. Not the number 6, there's a book of numbers, 6. You guys good? So the ones that we're really going to focus on today, first is going to be 1 John 4, 18, then we're going to jump to Luke 1, and then number 6. And then we're going to go to Romans 5. Oh, man, my Elvis is still playing. Sorry, guys. I like Elvis a lot. I just fell in love with him. I ain't saying he lived a good life. I just love his music. He was a Christian? I didn't know that. I should have caught it in the movie. Man, come on. <laughs> so, uh, so this is part two of what we spoke about last week. So if you weren't here for uh, last week, that's okay. I'm going to do a quick recap. If you're listening on the podcast, that's okay too. Just stay with it. Repetition is very powerful. That's the way we all learn, right? Like, right, even walking. We had to practice walking over and over again, even we fell on our butt. So if it's okay to practice walking, why isn't it okay to practice connecting with God? And you guys with me? Okay. Don't shut down with me. All right, so to recap, I'm doing it in a brand new way. Say brand new way. So this is really cool, like the way God knows us better than we know ourselves. So God showed me this brand new way to actually put all my thoughts together. If you don't know me, I'm Spanish, so I have a lot of emotion all the time, and I'm very passionate about God because he changed my life forever. So I can go really fast with words, and I can have a lot of emotion. So God was like, that's beautiful, that's nice, but you got to be able to like present this to people. So this is what I want you to do, and it's really cute because uh, I'm not Nicholas Sparks yet, but the way I did it is kind of writing like a book, okay? So if you see me looking down the whole time, just stay with me. Give me grace because I'm learning how to do a brand new thing. Say, I give you grace. Good, and I give you guys grace in Jesus' name. All right, here we go. Quick recap. The way that God and I communicate is through thoughts. I know it's him when it's a thought that overtakes every other thought. I know it's him because I've spent time in the Bible learning about who he is. Say, I spent time in the Bible. Come on, let's turn to 1 John 4.18. That's where we're going to start off first, okay? We're going to spend time in the Bible. So I don't care if you haven't read the Bible in years. I don't care if today's your first day. We're going to read something today. Can I get an amen? It's going to be 1 John 4.18. So I'm going to re- read that again. The way that God and I communicate is through thoughts. I know it's him when it's, thought, when it's a thought that overtakes every other thought. I know it's him because I've spent time in the Bible learning about who he is, learning the character of God. Isn't that beautiful? Man, that's the whole point of reading the Bible, okay? So if we turn to 1 John 4, 18, I just want to hit a little bit of a characteristic of who he is. I love the New King James Version, King James Version, TPT, the message. I love it all. But right now we're studying, so we're going to read the New King James. Is that okay? Nice. Thanks for agreeing with me. All right, so is there is no fear. Man, from the get-go, he's just hitting this hard. I don't know what 2nd and 3rd John wrote, but I'm just playing. So 1 John, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And it's it's so funny. When I first read that, I always just read, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And that's it. I just left it like that. I never really read the rest of it. And then yesterday I decided to read the rest of it because it was beautiful. But as I was reading, I also did a little bit of a breakdown. So there is no fear. That word fear, there is the possibility of danger or terror. So there is no possibility of danger or terror in love. But perfect love casts out fear. And that word fear is the possibility of danger or terror. Just the possibility. Because fear involves torment. Torment is Punishment. 
penalty, suffering. But he who fears, and that word fear turns into an action word. It actually turns into a verb. It means that we are already in fear and we're acting on it. And it means to flee or run away from. So there is no possibility of danger or terror in love. But perfect love casts out the possibility of danger or terror because fear involves punishment, penalty, suffering. But he who flees or runs away has not been made perfect in love. We love him, say God, because he first loved us. So the reason that I brought that up is because it gives us a a character of God. God doesn't punish. God isn't trying to lead us to danger. He's not trying to terrorize us. God doesn't want punishment towards us. That's why he sent Jesus to fulfill that. So that means there's no self-punishment in us. Isn't that beautiful? That means there's no suffering. So that means that any thought that you get, because that's the way that God communicates with me, my filter is 1 John 4.18, a characteristic of him. He doesn't put me in danger. He doesn't put me in terror. He doesn't put me in punishment. He doesn't put me in suffering. Are you guys with me? So when you get a thought and it's taking you down those places, let's just get a brand new thought from he who loves us. And he loves us first. He, when he writes something, he writes things on purpose. Nothing's an accident. Nothing's a mistake. Isn't that good? That means you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. Isn't that beautiful? So when you get a thought from God, it's, it should not lead you to terror, to punishment, to suffering. That's the God that I just read about. Are you guys with me? So we know that he will not put any thoughts that puts us in danger, terror, punishment, penalty, suffering, okay? We're still recapping. You will not know if it's God unless you say to the possibility, say yes to the possibility that it might be him. When you say yes, what you're doing is you're partnering, right? Say partner. It means to cooperate, to join, to be united. So you will not know if it's a thought from God unless you say, to the, unless you say yes to the possibility that it might be him, unless you cooperate, unless you're joined, unless you're united with that thought. Does that make sense? Okay, good. We got all that from Romans 5. You're going to have to read that on your old time and listen to the last teaching. Okay? I still love you. So the recap here is first comes faith, God narrating something to me. So that's, that's, that was my conclusion with God when it came to faith. God narrating something to me, speaking to me because of our connection through the blood of Jesus, the Christ. The Christ is very important. There's a lot of words that come with Christ, but the biggest thing you need to know right now is Christ means it's directly from God. It's a divine thing. Anytime you read anywhere that says divine, it means it's directly from God. If you read divine, it means it's directly from who? Not from you. It's directly from who? Right. So God narrated something to me, speaking to me because of our connection through the blood of Jesus, the Christ, who is directly from God. Peace. That was some of the words we hit last time. It's a state of being, opposite of war, in relationship or in relationship once again. The word glory here is to be on cloud nine. This is all from Romans 5. Walking on there, to be above everything, exalt. Patience and loyalty is unswerved loyalty to faith. God narrating something to me, speaking to me because of our connection through the blood of Jesus, the Christ, which is directly from? From God. Good job. I love you. You get a, you get a star after. Swerve. So that, that word loyalty is very powerful because it's unswerved loyalty. So once you get the spoken word from God, once God narrates something to you, then he puts something in you and it's called loyalty. It's called patience. Say patience. We all need patience. I don't care if you've never prayed for it. You need patience to operate in this world. Patience is unswerved loyalty to the word that God gives you. You know what that means? It means that I care more about what God said than what a man said to me than what my environment and says to me. Isn't that good? It actually puts you in this place of power. It doesn't mean that we don't love the person. It's just our first filter is, God, what did you say? This person just said that I'm mean. What do you say? Oh, you say I'm gentle and peaceful, loving and kind. Okay. Okay, something's not adding up here. What do you want to do now? Oh, okay, you want me to apologize. Woo! That's a hard one. It has to be God. <laughs> with me? Yay. So that's the recap from the last teaching. We're going to look at Luke 1, okay? So turn to Luke 1. <clears throat> Are you guys bored? Yay. Good, 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 good. All right, here we go. So Luke and, uh, we talked a little bit about Luke last week. Um, towards the end, I got really excited and spoke in Spanish to you guys, so I went pretty fast. So looking at Luke 1, right? Just a background story about Luke. I call him doctor of faith because he was a doctor and he operated in faith. He's so cool. That means he had a logical part of his brain, but he also had this part that surpassed all understanding. Isn't that beautiful? That's awesome. That means that if you are a very logical person, God still wants to speak to you. Isn't that good? 
You're very logical too, baby. I love you. Is that why you said preach? Oh, for Addie, yeah. Addie's a scientist, so. <laughs> I just love her. All right, here we go. So I call him doctor of faith, right? So it means that he was a doctor. He had a logical part of his brain. But he also had this part of him that he allowed God to narrate things to him, to communicate to things to him, and to surpass all of his understanding. And it's really cool because if you ever read more about Luke, uh, in all his chapters, there's people that are being healed. You imagine him as a doctor. He performs surgery in probably the most nastiest parts. And then here comes Jesus, and he just restores people without having to cut them or touch them or anything. Like, like really go in there and cause an incision on them. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that awesome? Wouldn't it blow your mind if that would have happened? Right? But, it, but that's what I love about Luke. So his faith was so big that I assumed that, the, that he was there walking with Jesus. So a little bit about, about his background. I thought that he was walking with Jesus. I thought he was one of the original 12 disciples. Come to find out, he wasn't there. Not only that, he wasn't a Jew. <laughs> he was actually a Gentile, and he was uncircumcised. Again, I said it last week. I don't know how they knew that, but he was, right? So, which is really cool because, because the, the account that he wrote and everything that he wrote here in his book to just one person was so accurate, and there's so many details that how did he come up with all that, not knowing the exact culture? It's different if you grew up in that culture. It's like this is taught to you from the day you came out of the womb. Literally, you come out of the womb, you get circumcised. Oh, first lesson, covenant. This is what you're going to learn. This, is, this was God's original plan back in Genesis. This is what he did with Abraham. This is why we do things. So here comes Luke, and he's just writing these details about this culture, and how did he find all that out? Like, like we're actually going to look at like the precision and the detail that he came with. And, and to me, it moves me because he's such a great example of faith, getting a word from God established inside of him that it was, it was just so real. It just moves my heart. So he wasn't, he wasn't the original 12. He was a Gentile, not even a Jew or circumcised. This is what happens when you're in faith, connected to God through the blood and marriage and a constant narrative of God. People assume that you walk with the greatest miracle worker, the teacher, the son of man, which is also known as the human one, just because you hear God. I, I literally thought he walked with Jesus. Can you imagine that? Having so much faith, people were like, were you there when he raised Lazarus from the dead? Isn't that such a good place to be? Okay, so this takes us back to Luke chapter 1. So we're going to go there. And I made a little note for me here. So the whole reason I gave you the background of Luke is just so we can have a good perspective of when we read this. It moves me. Okay, so I wrote this. As we read and study Luke chapter 1, we're going to go straight to verse 5. We see small details here that were only known by Jewish cultures. For example, the story of Zacharias, Elizabeth, and Mary. Ah, I'm going to read it. Are you guys ready? So in verse 5, there was in the days of Herod, the kings of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the division of Abijah. His wife was, one of, was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Say Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all commandments and ordinance of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense. When he went into the temple, say, I went to the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. So I'm going to just read you what I wrote. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. So a few things to point out here. They knew of God, and they were considered blameless. Like, why did Luke actually write that statement? Well, I said it last week that in Jewish culture, there was a specific, it's called the first gospel, and it's back in Genesis 3.15, and it's when Adam and Eve sinned, and then God said, hey, this is what's going to happen, but this is my promise to you. This is the good news to you. And his word was this, and I will put enmity between you which is the snake and the woman or Satan, and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So that word enemy means hatred or hostility. So God said, I will put hatred and hostility between you, the devil, and the woman, and between the seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The seed was a reference to Jesus the Christ. The heel was the terrible but temporary injury that he would endure for our faith, our connection to God, and the bruising of the head is the stop to the enemy seed. So the Jewish people thought to not be able to bore a child meant that you did something wrong in your life and God was punishing you, which brought about shame in the culture. 
Does that make sense? So because God gave that promise, every woman that got pregnant, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have a baby. We're going to take care of the house. You know, I have one more mouth to feed. No, it was like, is this baby the Messiah? Is this the one that's going to defeat Satan? Is this the one that's going to restore us? Is this the one that's going to bring faith and transformation? Am I carrying that child? Am I carrying that seed? So, so when, when a woman wouldn't be able to have that baby or that possibility of saying yes to God, they were like, you did something wrong because God never goes back on his word. So that was the Jewish culture. They were like, shame on you. There's something wrong with you. But what did God say? What did Luke write about them? It said that they were blameless. They were blameless in front of the Lord. Isn't that good? When the whole world is saying you should be ashamed because of your past, but then God gave you a brand new word. He got you born again. And he's like, I no longer count anything in your past. You are blameless. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that good? And so, and so we knew that Zechariah had some kind of belief. He had some kind of belief because he was chosen to be a priest. So that means that he had some understanding about God. He knew about God's words. He knew, he knew the, the written word. He knew he had an understanding of what God could do. But this is the part that blows my mind. Then why was this woman still barren? He had the belief. He had the knowledge. He had the understanding. Why was she still barren? Because knowledge alone doesn't cause miracles to happen. It's when you go to the Father and you allow him to narrate to you. It's when you go into the Holy of Holies and you're like, God, this is where I am. This is what's going on. What do you want to say to me? That's when a transformation happens. Are you guys okay? I wrote this. I love that Zacharias, even though he had this giant circumstance, people telling him that something is wrong with his family. Anybody ever do that to you? Come on. Still, still was chosen to be the priest. To go into the temple of God. This means regardless of what you have done today or others have spoken to you about, you are allowed to enter God's presence and seek his connection. Because he is wanting to connect with you. Amen? In Hebrews, it speaks of the highest priest. So if you go to the book of Hebrews, it actually speaks about the highest priest. And we end up knowing that it's actually Jesus the Christ. And this is beautiful because rather than having to go and find another Zacharias to hear from the Lord or enter the Holy of Holies, you have Jesus the Christ. And where does he live? Oh, my God. Now you guys don't sound like you believe that at all. Where does Jesus Christ live? Yes. Yeah, so that means you don't need a priest. He is the priest. He's in there. So that means that you're blameless. That means that you're able to go and have a conversation with him. That means you're able to go and get a word from him. You guys are not excited. Come on, Pastor Kevin. Maybe, yeah, Pastor Kevin. I love you, man. Ah. Oh. You are allowed to enter God's presence and seek his connection because he lives in you. You no longer must wait outside the temple to receive the blessing. Ah, Man, the reason I bring up the priests is because in verse 9, so if you go to Luke, verse 9, you're still in Luke 1, verse 9, Zacharias fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord and the whole multitude of the people was praying out at the hour of incense. So real quick, that, that word incense is very important, right? We're going back. This whole thing is about how Luke was able to be in such faith with God that he was able to, to write these, these beautiful details that he had no idea about. So if, he, if they were able to do that with Luke, and what is God doing with you? <laughs> what details is he sharing about you in your life? What, what is God, what is the rhema word that God has given to you? What it, rhema word is just when you get a word from God that wasn't just in the Bible. It was you saw something in the Bible and you said, God, what do you think about it? And God gives you a thought, a dream, a vision, an idea. And you're like, I'm going to say yes. And maybe that's a possibility that it's you because it's not leading me to suffering. It's not leading me to temptation. It's not leading me to the struggle. Does that make sense? Okay. So if Luke was able to get all this information, I know he wants to talk to you at least about your day. Oh, so Zacharias fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord, and the whole multitude of the people was praying out at the hour of incense. Incense was reserved for the people that could approach God. Say, I can approach God. The smell was a reminder that they were blameless, that they were allowed to approach the holy of holies. Really, it was also a sacrifice to worship God. Can, can you believe that? It was truly an act of worship to stand there and breathe in the presence of God. It was something that you can actually see. It was just smoke. I don't know if you've ever been in around Essence, but like you can smell it. It gets in your throat. I cough a lot, you know, but like but, but in God's presence, it's so much better. But anyways, the whole point is this analogy of like, can you imagine that? There's a cloud of smoke and you can breathe it in, but you can also exhale, the, ex exhale it. Doesn't that sound like worship? 
You guys were doing that. Like there were words being sung and they could just be words or they can be the essence of God. It could be something that you breathe in and you breathe back out and God is very pleased with it. God hears it. God reminds you that you're blameless. You're like, I can sing these songs because I am blameless because I know what he's done for me. Because I chose to come and get a word from God, to come and get a brand new thought from God, a brand new vision, a brand new idea because of Jesus the Christ, not because of things that I've done. Again, such a powerful detail (laughs) revealed by Dr. Luke. That's just amazing. I, I just, he's so cool. Ah, okay, good. So this is really good. Um. So we, we had mentioned that um, in, verse thir- in verse 10, it says, And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. I want to let you know why they were out there. Say, why were they out there? Okay. They needed a priest to go into the Holy of Holies because they weren't able to go in because they weren't blameless. Right? We, we don't have that problem. <laughs> we have Jesus who paid the ultimate price. So we can walk up into my daddy's house and be like, God, what do you want to tell me today? Today he told me, I love you. And I said, okay, I'll be satisfied with that word today. I wanted power and revelation and money, but I'm okay with that, God. I'm cool with your love. And then he got me to 1 John and he was like, perfect love casts out fear. And I was like, whoa, this is so much better than money and power. And oh my gosh, you're so good. (sighs) The people sent us out of the temple were waiting for God's blessing. So what would happen is after the priest would go in there, they would come out and they would give this blessing. So we can actually find this blessing if you go to number 6, 24 through 26. Are you guys still okay with me? To me, it's just so cool. Like, I I don't want to jump the gun because I wrote something really profound. But but I just love how detailed God is because God's the one that's that's narrating this to Luke. And Luke wrote it down. The people were waiting outside. And they were waiting for this blessing. I know, we sing it all the time. We sing it all the time. I want to be honest with you, it's not my favorite song. Let me tell you why. Because I didn't know the full meaning behind it. You don't like something? Have you actually done your research? Have you actually gone out and gotten a word from God? Have you actually brought up the value of the thing that you don't like? Or are you just saying no because you don't like... Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all good. I love you guys. All right, here we go. So in verse 24, this is the blessing that they were waiting for. It's the Lord bless you and keep you. Where are all my singers at? Give me a ha. Go ahead, PK. I love you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you Ah, and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. Can Can I tell you something that's so profound here? We're going to break down every part. The Lord bless you and keep you. It starts this way to remind us that it's all God's idea. He actually wants and created a plan to bless us and keep us, and it has nothing to do with any of our good deeds. Just like faith, it is God-made, not man-made. It's his idea. And I wrote, uh, not made in China, but made in his fullness. Come on. So it doesn't break easily. (laughs) You guys with me? That was a joke, just in case we got too serious, okay? All right, so the Lord make his face shine upon you. Say, shine upon me. So what they're saying there is it's better than the encounter Moses had on the mountain when his face shined but then was covered by a veil. It's God's face shining, and nothing can cover his face over your life. That means that God's face is shining over you regardless of the thoughts that you thought you had today regardless of the way that you treated anybody today, even yourself, God's face is still shining on you. Are you guys still with me? Are you guys receiving this? That the Lord, his face is shining upon you and there's nothing you can do to cover his face because it's his idea. Then it's be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. I probably said that wrong, but it's all good. You get it. And give you peace. So they understood this from a king's perspective. Ooh, come on, man. You'll make me teach. These understood, they understood this from a king's perspective. When they would come face to face with the king, the king would only look at their direction only if he was truly pleased with them. So if you go and you stand in front of a king, if the king looked towards you, that means he's very pleased with you. If not, he'll just, I don't need to look at you. 
I got my projector screen over there. No, but what does God do? Oh, you got to figure that on your own. What does God do? So for a king to show facial expressions, especially a smile, meant that he was beyond pleased. So how much more does this mean coming from the king of kings? Yeah, and if you guys remember from last week, Romans 5, peace was something that you get after you have faith with God. Peace is one of the things that come. Peace is not a feeling. It's a state of relationship. It means you're not at war. God is pleased with you, always at peace with you because of Jesus, the Son of Man, the human one dying on the cross for us because of this God, and he's always looking towards your direction. Be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will be blessed. Are you guys ready for the whole shebang? Say shebang. shebang. It just came to me. Thank you, God. So not only is all this God's idea, and it can't be changed by our good or bad deeds, his face is shining on us, and it can't be covered by any of our sins or what we feel our sins or what separates us from him. He is also smiling over us as the king of kings, very pleased with us. In addition to all this, God also put his name on us, his brand. This implies that he put a spiritual identification so everyone knows we are related to God himself. God gave his name. How did he do all this? How did God give us his name? Through faith. God narrating something to me, speaking to me because of our connection through the blood of Jesus, the Christ. The Christ is directly from God. You guys okay? And I'm a shoe guy. I'm a shoe guy. I think God put that in me. Maybe, hopefully, I'm praying he did. Wife, God put that in me. Uh, (laughs) You go with God. You figure out if it's an idea or not. We'll come together. All right. Just like my Nike shoes, you know whose shoes they belong to because of the giant brand. You guys... Then go upstage. All right, I love you. Just to let you know, these were gifts. I didn't pay a dime for it. But what do you guys see right there? What do you guys see right there? Right. You see that anywhere. You know it belongs to? You see Tiger Woods walking out there, regardless of the sins that he did. You know he belongs to? God's saying that he put his Nike sign on you. And it's so much better because it surpasses the natural realm. It goes straight to spiritual realm. And that's another time. We'll get there. So let's go back to Luke 1. You guys okay? Is this good? Is this like kind of building you up? It's like, man, God is looking at me. He's the king of kings, and he's smiling at me. He branded me. And and it was his idea. It's not easily broken, regardless of how I feel. Just make, come on, give me a grunt. Uh, Oh, my military guys, I love you so much. All right, back to Luke 1. Yet, when looking at Zechariah and his wife being barren, so did I say that? Did we say that his wife was barren? I don't remember. Yet, when looking at Zechariah and his wife being barren, we can tell that he obviously had belief. So it's a recap. Or else he wouldn't be in his role as a priest. Right? Yet, his knowing of the promise of God didn't change his wife's circumstance. He had to approach... He had to approach the temple and receive God's narrative. When we hear God's narrative, it comes much like mine did. Remember I told you, a thought that overtakes other thoughts that doesn't lead to fear. Say, no fear. fear. Thanks to the Holy Spirit. Say, it's all Holy Spirit. Come on, the Holy Ghost. I like that. Thanks to the Holy Ghost, we have that better connection, greater covenant. Not having to find Jesus on earth in a remote part. Instead, Christ the priest lives where? Yay! Isn't that good news? Yes! For Zechariah, this word came to him different, though. Let's go to Luke 1.11. So remember, the people were outside waiting for that specific promise. And we're going to figure out if they were able to hear that promise or not. Okay? Good? Yay. Luke 1.11. In the form of an angel named Gabriel. Wait, did I write that wrong? Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of Oh, I wrote that wrong. Oh, then, there, I got it, got it. I love you guys. Thank you for the grace. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side, and I wrote, so specific. How did Luke know he was on the right side? How did he know? How did he know he was on the right side? Does not not bug you guys? He's writing the word of God. This is important. And he's saying the guy was on the right side. Why didn't he say he was on the left side? 
Why he didn't say he was flying? I always imagine angels flying. Right? Like, why did he specifically say on the right side? But most importantly, how did he know he was on the right side? You know, when I read this, I'm like, God cares about the little details. So that means God cares about me and my little detail. Oh, okay. Come on, man. You know what this is called? It's called relationship. Relationship with the Lord. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side, so specific, of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. Remember we said it, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. So remember 1 John 4, the angel is letting him know that the character, what the character of God should be. So when the angel could have been like, stay in fear, okay, we know that's God. But when he said, don't be in fear, that is not a character of God. That is not what I am bringing right here. You guys with me? It's just to, to, to let you know that when God shows up, even if it's an angel, <laughs> he's going to bring it in this form that's not going to lead you to punishment, to suffering, making you want to run away. It's, it, he's going to come with this love that, that makes you feel uncomfortable. Yes. But he's going to bring you to this place where you're like, God, tell me more. What I love, too, is that the, the angel wasn't like, oh, my gosh, you're afraid? I'm leaving. He wasn't offended. He stayed there. So God isn't offended with your honesty. But you're not supposed to stay there in fear. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Say, God hears my prayers. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Did I say that Elizabeth was barren? Yeah. And then it says he was also to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's very important that he was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that means that you are directed straight from God. That when you have his spirit living inside of you, that means the directions that you take are straight from God. And the way that he wants to communicate comes from a place of relationship with you. For me, it's thoughts. Thoughts that overtake any other thought in my mind, especially fear. And it comes in the most simple forms. For other people, it can be visions. It can be dreams. It can be the audible voice of God. You need to figure out what it looks like between you and God. Amen? Amen. You know why it's called a relationship. I can give you some tools about, like, what makes my wife happy. I know it's dishes, but there's a certain way she likes when I cook that I cut that chicken up. She told me, she was like, I like the way you spice up that chicken, you know? And I can give you the recipe, but you ain't going to make it like my chicken. And the reason I, yeah, in the detail, the reason I brought up chicken is because I used to be afraid to cook. But then Perfect Love came in, casted it out, and he was like, here's a brand new outlet. I want you to cook. It's a creative expression. You know what? I got that word, this thought that came in and said, you don't have to be afraid. I'll burn the kitchen down. (laughs) And if you do, there's a fire extinguisher under the sink. I had no idea there was a fire extinguisher under this sink. Came with the house. (laughs) Paid over $100,000 for this house. (laughs) Thanks to my VA home loan. And I'm like, there's a free fire extinguisher. And the Lord revealed it to me. Come on. Come on, come on. Hey, don't make fun of me. It was free, okay? Let me have that one. (laughs) But the whole point is this. I can give you the recipe, but you're going to do it the way that you do it. And then you're also going to make it the way you like it. And you're also going to make it the way that other people can eat it. So you need to figure out how God wants you to eat his word. Okay. Sorry, guys. I'm just really excited because, like, this changed my life, okay? I'm not mad at you guys. I love you guys. And who cares if I'm mad at you? Like, God isn't mad at you. That's the only thing that matters. Guys. All right. Okay. So the Holy Spirit directed straight from God, right? So John, John gets the Holy Spirit put in him right immediately. So let's jump down to verse 17, okay? Are we there? He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I love that. And and the biggest thing I want to get out of here is to turn. And that's what we do. Conversion, turning your direction towards God. When you feel that tug, that pull, that, that something that's just alive in you, that's God wants you to turn your attention towards his face that's always shining on you, that he put his brand on you so you know that it's safe to turn that way because there was a price paid for you. 
but it's because of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that tells you, turn here. And your yes, saying yes to the possibility that might be God is the way that you turn towards him. Are you guys with me? Yet we can see where Zechariah did not say yes. So if we jump down a little bit, I'm going to read a little bit here. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Anybody ever look at your circumstances and told God, but how? Yeah, no need to be ashamed here. We got to be honest. But then the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. Oh, you know you're in trouble when the angel's like, this is my name, bro. So I'm from, per my last email. <laughs> okay, here we go. I actually think those emails hurt. Don't, don't send me those emails. Then I got to turn towards God so I won't respond with a nasty email. I got to be like, well, I do love you still. Uh, all right. I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Woo! That's so good. And was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tithings. But behold... You will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. Ah, man, I had a joke there, but I won't say it. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, right? A way to talk to God had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. And I wrote, yet we can see where Zechariah did not say yes. He didn't partner with God, the narrative of God, which is powerful. I thought it was very powerful. I'm really glad Luke wrote this because I used to read that and be like, oh, man, when, when, I, don't, when I don't respond to God, he's going to leave me deaf and mute. That's, that's so sad. But this is what I love. Yet when we see where Zechariah did not say yes immediately to the narrative of God, which is powerful, knowing that even if a giant sign, for example, I don't know, maybe even a giant angel on fire telling you what you've been praying for in your innermost hearts, he's coming, he's like, I'm revealing this to you, that the son you're going to bore, even though your wife can't, is going to make the way for the prophecy that your people have been waiting for hundreds of years, is standing in front of you, the ability to choose has not been taken away from us. Even though there's a giant angel, there's the biggest sign you've ever seen in your entire world, you still have the choice to say no. You still have the choice not to partner. I love that. I love that God doesn't force me to say yes, but he wants me to say yes. He's done all of this for me. And if I could just say yes, if I can give him the possibility that it might be him, if Zachariah had just been like, yeah, Lord, let's do it. But that's free choice. I love that. That's, that makes me so happy. Thanks, God. Everybody close your eyes. Say, God, thank you for giving me a free will. Mm. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. That's very powerful. That is why saying yes or being partner. Oh, that's why. That is why saying yes, which another word is partner or partnered, which means to cooperate, to join, to be united with the narrative of God that faith that God has given you with the narrative of God is so powerful which is truly partnering with Christ in us, the hope of glory. It changes our situation. That's the whole point of saying yes. God wants to change our situation. He heard the cries of your heart, and he's saying, hey, this is how we're going to do it. I have an agenda. I have a plan. It's a kingdom agenda. Say yes. yes. Oh, I'm sorry. That was supposed to be me, God, saying, hey, say yes. But you guys can do it. <laughs> if you're going to say yes to a man, what do you, why say yes to the Lord? I love you, Ms. Randy. Tell the kids I love them. All right, here we go. So let's read verse 18. You guys, you guys still okay? Yeah. All right. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Oh, yeah, we read all that. Uh, oh, and the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. 23. So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house now, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Before that, it's just, I always thought God was such a harsh God, and I said this last week too, like, I thought he was punishing Zacharias, but what I realized is leaving him deaf and mute 
meant that the only word he can hear, in the, and he couldn't speak anything against that word because when we speak, we hear ourselves saying something. So the only word he was able to hear was the word that this giant fire angel had said. It really, which was just an example of God and his word. When his word comes, as simple as it is, it's as powerful or more powerful than an angel showing up and saying, I am, per my last email, right? It's more powerful that it's coming into your being and changing you. It is so powerful. So I feel like when God did it, this is the way that I saw it, was a good father saying, hey, no, no, we're going to renew your mind because there's an agenda here. There's a purpose here. There's, there's a fulfillment that needs to happen. So this is what we're going to do. Shh. Come here. Come with me in the quiet. Come with me in the quiet. And the example I gave last week was when I shot my rifle in the military and I didn't have my hearing protection, it rang in my ears for hours. It was the worst feeling ever. I couldn't hear anybody. They were yelling at me. They could have been like, do push-ups. And I was like, I, I can't hear you. I tried it a day later, and they were like, no, we know you can hear. Get down. Um, but the only word that rang, the, the only thing that rang in there was the bullet that was shot. So the only word that Zachariah was able to meditate on was the ringing of the word of the Lord. And we know it happened. You know why? Because he went home as soon as his days were over. Supposedly it was five days. I don't know how accurate they were. And so I believe that Luke knows faith. That means that, that Luke was able to get a narrative from God and was like, it was five days. So after five days, he was able to go home. And guess what? His wife conceived. So that means that the word that God gave him actually worked or else his wife wouldn't have conceived. Remember, they were trying on their own effort with their own belief because they had knowledge of God. They couldn't come To have a baby. Yes. <laughs> right? They couldn't. They were trying real hard, I'm sure. But, but what happened? When, when God said something, then something happened. The example there is when we try to use our own belief, it won't happen. But when we come and we partner with God in the narrative that he has for us, and we let it be established in us, change our identity, change who we are, then when we go back to the situation, it changes. And we know it's God and we give him the credit. That's why we say Glory. That's why it's his, his idea. That's why we worship. Because it's not a man-made idea. It's a God idea. It's a God thought. It's a God narrative. It's Christ, the hope of me, living inside of me. Are you guys with me? It just gets me so excited because it's such a beautiful example between belief and faith. They knew of God, but it didn't change until they got a word from God. Oh, come on. Come on. I'm almost done. Oh, so remember, the, I love you so much, PK, I love you, for sure. So the fallback, though, of not saying yes immediately was the, the people that were waiting outside this whole time, waiting for the word of God. I, I think in the Bible, it talks about how all creation is growing, anticipation for, for God and his glory. They were outside waiting for a reason. They were waiting to hear the blessing of the Lord, to be reminded that they were blameless, to be reminded that they belonged to somebody. They were out there waiting to know that there's a God that isn't mad at me. But what happened? It, it was his, um, him not saying immediately yes to God put him in a place where he wasn't able to go out and do it immediately. And God did this new word in me, and it's not condemnation because in Romans 8, it says that there is no condemnation for those that belong to Christ. We read it. There's no fear. There's no punishment. But God told me, I'm going to let some words burn you. Because there's a purpose behind it. There's a bigger agenda behind it. So if it makes you not feel good, like, God, I'm so sorry I missed it, that's called conviction, and it's a good thing. Because it grows you. It's like, God, I missed the value of what you were trying to show me right there. But I have a better covenant than Zachariah, so I know I get to do it again. And we won't make it there, but, but Zachariah later, it, it, the reason that he was deaf and mute was because people had a sign language to him. They had to say thank you. They had to spell my name like that. Right? That's how we knew he was deaf. Because if not, why would they be signing? They could just say something to him. If he was just mute, that's beside the point. That's another detail that Luke, how did Luke know? Faith. All right. So the fallback of not partnering right away or saying yes right away was that the people outside of the temple waiting to hear the blessing of the Lord were not able to receive you see, receiving God's word is more than just getting what you have desired. It's also the ability to impart and move God's kingdom agenda on earth. It's not just about you. Say, it's not just about me. And thank God it's not just about me. We did it together, right? That's why the activation earlier was important. When you decided to not make it about you and partner with somebody. Because you don't know what the other person was going through. 
You don't know if they were hesitant to worship, if it was their first time worship, if it was their first time here. So I'm going to read this over you because we have a, an appreciation and a value of this word, which is number 624. This is why I like the song now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. This is my question to you. Does this passage connect with you different now that you have a little bit more understanding of it? Now that you let it, did it change from words on a page to words that God is speaking to you directly? Or is it just other words on a page and you're like, God isn't real? Well, have you let him in there? Have you said yes to the possibility that he might be speaking to you? We're going to go to um, Luke 123. And, and, and I'll stop preaching and give you the good stuff. So 23 is, so it was as soon as the days of his service were completed, Zechariah, that he departed to his own home. This is beautiful. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she'd hid herself five months, saying, thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among people. She knew. She wasn't going around saying, but I'm not ashamed. No, like she, she felt it. She was honest. So let's look at the way that Elizabeth held on to the word from God that was established and birthed inside of her. It was legit a birthing inside of her. That's what faith does. Faith comes and it comes inside of you and it becomes alive. It's not something that we can just shake away today and shake away tomorrow. No, it's something that when God gives us, we're able to be patient with, able to be loyal with. Being like, God said this, so I'm standing on this because that word is so alive in me. That's faith. Elizabeth had it because you know why? She hid herself for five months saying, thus the Lord has dealt with me. In the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. When God gives us his fullness, it's known as a substance. Say substance. I had no idea what substance meant for a long time, so I looked it up. The material, that's what substance means. It's a material, matter, stuff, fabric. Imagine that, a piece of fabric being put on you. I just got some Lululemons for my birthday. Oh my gosh, I will never pay for these Lululemons. I'm so glad they're gifts. But they're the best fabric I've ever put on my life. And I know God's word is so much better than that. It is a word that comes and is put on me by someone else as a free gift. So when God gives us his fullness, it's known as a substance, a material, a matter, stuff, fabric, or else <laughs> known as faith. We say that verse all the time. Faith is the? Nice. When his spoken word, his faith, his narrative, his fullness but it's because of Christ comes inside of you. It's not even something you have to tell people about. Elizabeth could have been like, look at me. You were shaming me. I'm coming to you first. I remember you. Per your last email, here I am. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You used to bully me. Look at me now. Instead, instead, when it comes inside of you, it's not even something you have to tell people about. It's something that you get to enjoy and experience by yourself. And by the time it's grown inside of you, joined to you as one, because I know how babies are made. They're joined to you as one. It's joined. People can see that you look different, just like Elizabeth. I don't know how many months you start showing. Ladies, pastors, how many months you start showing? Four or five? Oh, yeah. Come on, Luke. Good job, man. Get in that faith. Okay, never mind. We'll go back later. Okay, just like Elizabeth, it changed her identity from barren, right? So that word that was put inside of her changed her whole identity. How do you know you're in faith? It changes your whole identity. It changed her identity from barren woman to mother. <sighs> from shame to glory. Now she gets to be like, look what the Lord has done in me. I used to, people used to say this about me, God, God is punishing you, God, no, 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 I experienced God's glory, look what the Lord has done in my life. Remember, it was nothing they could do by themselves, it had to be imparted by God. Okay, so, oh yeah, no, no, I, I, I. I always have plenty more because God is so big and full and he has so much, but I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a land a plane here, okay? And I'm going to leave it with this question. What has God imparted to you through thoughts, through visions, through dreams? Have you become so pregnant with it that it has changed your entire identity? 
close your eyes or not. Remember, you have a free choice, even if an angel standing right in front of you. It's up to you. But right now, I, I, I do feel the, narrator, the, the, the thing that God's narrating to me right now is that we all close our eyes and we put our hands out as an act of, of yeah, God, I think you can do this. Yeah, God, I'm going to say yes to the possibility that it's you. And it's going to be very simple. It's very simple. Yeah, I'm giving you a chance to connect with God in whatever way you do it, even if it's your first time. Yeah. Yeah, it's just you and God. It's just you and God right now. And he wants to speak to you. That's the whole point of these last two Wednesdays is that you know that there was a price paid for you so he can speak to you, so he can impart something to you. So something from his spirit can go to your spirit. That something can go into the Christ that's living inside of you, be established, change your identity. What is that word that he wants to give you? What is it that he's saying to you right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your faith. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And he wants to talk to you. There's no such thing as he doesn't want to talk to me. So God, we love you. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for whatever word they're still receiving. And, and, and I believe on laying on of the hands. If you need a little help, just come up here. I love to pray with you. The pastors will love to pray for you. We love doing that. We love hearing God's voice and imparting it for you. But most importantly, we love when you have established a relationship with God. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your substance. We thank you for going out of your way and doing all of this for us. Literally writing thousands of pages on a Bible so we can have an excuse to have a conversation with the God of the universe. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that if you did it for Elizabeth, Zachariah, Luke, we didn't even get to marry, but if you did it for them, why wouldn't you want to do it for us? So right now we say yes to the possibility of that word that does not lead us to fear. We say yes to that right now. We say yes to that right now. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Yeah, we bless this week. We bless it. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm. Amen. Yeah, stay where you are. You don't, you don't have to get up. I love you.